Hello, and welcome to another episode of Express Yourself, a library podcast. My name is Molly Chenault. And I'm Tiffany Faye. And today we are talking about one of the most interesting topics of all time to a librarian, which is summer reading, aka our busiest time of the year. So to start off, we thought we'd discuss a little bit about summer reading themes. Now, if you're not familiar with summer reading at most public libraries, there is a nationwide theme that is sent out uh, and libraries have the opportunity to buy coordinating items, bookmarks, posters, things like that. And this year's theme is a universe of stories. In case you couldn't, you know, kind of parse it from that, it is space themed, which we are very excited about because we are all about STEM at the Emporia Public Library. The summer reading theme is put out by the Collaborative Summer Library Program, or the CSLP for short. And I think there are other, like, I mean, I've heard of different systems having their own theme. So it's not like they pick, so not every public library sticks with the Collaborative Summer Library Program. We tend to at Emporia Public, um, but that's not saying that every public library does. Some public libraries, like Tiffany said, do their own. Some do not have a theme, and some don't do summer reading programs. Um, It really just depends on where you're at. And your audience. And your audience. We're lucky enough to be at a public library that really encourages our summer reading program because that's a time when we see lots of either new faces or faces that we don't see at other times of the year. So... We have summer patrons, which is kind of like snowbirds, except for we only see them during During the summer summer. in the library. Mm -hmm. So, to theme or not to theme? That is the question. (laughs) I personally, I don't know. Some years I could go either way. This year, I thoroughly love the theme. She's not exaggerating. No, I'm a huge space nerd. I have a favorite planet have a favorite scientist i love space science so your favorite planet is saturn right correct okay i got it i got this everyone so this year i'm really excited because they picked a theme that i think we can go pretty far with in terms of programming pretty far in the space (laughs) (laughs) but some themes are really difficult to do anything with especially the older your audience build a better world was hard See, and I thought that one for wasn't, adults. It wasn't terrible for teens, but last year's, I felt like that one was difficult, and I think it was something, uh, Libraries Rock. It was Libraries Rock, um, and it, while some libraries did choose to go the geology route, and I thoroughly respect them for that, it was intended to be musically music. based. So that one kind of, I think, personally, I think it lent itself more to children's programming. I found it really difficult to do things with the teens that didn't feel really kiddish. Mm-hmm. My problem as a person who plans adult programs is that it's kind of hard to get an adults to engage in summer reading programs, period. Yes, the collaborative themes tend to be more directed towards children. 
And, like, I get that because it's really important for children to not have the gap that summer between school semesters kind of facilitates. But people kind of tend to think of summer as a time when everyone's not so busy, people get a break, you can go and do things. But unfortunately for me, I have found that it is the exact opposite when it comes to adults. So not only, because I mean, you don't get to take a three-month break from your job. Uh, That's just, I mean, unless you're like a professor or something. But even then, summer school. But you have your job. You have now your kids during the day as well to find stuff to do with which can be really awesome but that's also you know it's it's taking up more time than it normally does um depending on the age of your kids this can be more or less challenging Mm -hmm. i think it's harder with younger kids because they're not really self-sufficient so any leisure time that you had to read kind of goes right out the window because you got your work you've got your kids the weather's nice the weather's nice, so you're taking advantage to do things like gardening or going to the lake, going to the lake, or repairing your house. Going, a lot of people go on vacations. There's a couple of major holidays that people travel around, like Memorial Day and the Fourth of July. So it's kind of challenging to have an adult summer reading program because they run out of time and the incentives that work for younger people, um, children and stuff, aren't that big of incentives for adults. So, like, I can give a five-year-old a pencil, and they are over the moon. Ecstatic. Tiffany is going at me because I made a moon pun. But if I offered an adult a pencil, they would look at me like I was crazy because they could go buy, like, a 12-pack from Walmart for two bucks themselves and not have to do anything for it. So that's interesting sometimes now we do have people participate because adults like to read too i'm not saying that they don't it's just more challenging to get them involved in a structured program that's normally based on incentives something that i find interesting about the response to the summer reading programs is that eh, pretty universally (laughs) that's another space (laughs) for you i'm going to be doing that all summer so everyone should just prepare Uh, Pretty universally, the kids will be generally enthusiastic about it. They, and I mean, I'm talking about, I don't know, 12 and under. They will go for it no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. They went for the superheroes, they went for the construction, they went for the music, they went, they're going to go for the space. They're going to reach for the stars. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) Oh boy, it's going to be a long summer. (laughs) It's going to feel like it was a light year. But I think, (laughs) that was a good one. But I think that what struck me is that... Like a comet? That's my last one. I promise. You can't take my job. It's my job. Anyway, what struck you? What struck me was that they're always happy with whatever. But I think they're trained to be that way because, I mean, they don't really get to pick which subjects they have to have in school. Some of them they may like more than others. But on my end of the spectrum, adults are way pickier about what they spend their time doing because they have limited time and they have pretty well-developed interest areas. So 
I had a hard time getting people interested in the Libraries Rock one because, you know, they can... I had somebody tell me, I can listen to music on my own time. Well, you you can, yes. We encourage it. <laughs> but look at this cool program I have. So it, they're just a little pickier about what they'll come out to do, what they'll spend time and energy when they could be at home in their pajamas. Whereas kids are already used to, yeah, we'll go and whatever happens, maybe it'll be cool. Right. They see it as more like, oh, this might be interesting. But yeah, teens and adults, I definitely feel like you have to convince them. And like you said, we can't, you know, the more we want them to come, I feel like the bigger the incentive has to be. I have found that uh, for summer reading, it's best to keep it super simple. And this part of this is knowing your community too. So if you know that you have a lot of blue collar families or people who have a lot of young children who come in the library frequently, know what their interest is, know what their effort level will be. Uh, because we have tried to do more complicated things and no one has participated because it's just like you look at it and it's like oh that's a lot that looks like work <laughs> that looks like work it can't, <laughs> they're not gonna do it <laughs> it can't look like work no if it looks like work you will be doing it by yourself and that is no fun no I can, so, I can testify <laughs> something that's been really successful with our adults have been the reading bingo cards because even though they don't want to do work, if they want to participate, they also want a guide, um, like instructions. I can't just say, go read 10 books, because they will look at me like I have grown another head. Um, so giving them a bingo card kind of gives them a guide. So like, read a biography. Okay, that narrows it down from an entire library to one section of the library. And then they can go and look and see what kind of looks like something that they'd be interested in. I think this is especially important for adults who maybe are just looking for things to get involved in. Like, maybe they weren't raised on summer reading programs like a lot of people I know. Maybe they haven't done this for like 27 years, but they're interested now, but they don't know what the normal process is. So give them a starting point. I also think the bingo card encourages them to read outside of what they normally do. If, like, if you only read sci-fi, maybe you will never find that... You, turns out you really like biography or something like biography that. Biography or people... It's really interesting. People a lot of times will shy away from things because of a preconceived notion. Yeah. I, I had a friend of mine tell me that she refused to read any book that had a map in the front of it. Because it was going to be too, like, too she much just, commitment. <laughs> she just didn't like that type of book. Huh. But, like, that's a lot of books. That is a lot of books. That's so many a lot books. Of good stuff, too. That's a lot of good books. But that's not just, she was talking about sci-fi fantasy. Okay. I, I, I get, if fantasy's not your thing, I understand. But that's also, like, history books. Some nonfiction, some historical fiction. Right. Actually, just fiction. Actually, it could be anything. Mm -hmm. It could be in any genre. I just thought that was a very mm, arbitrary thing to base your reading preferences on. So, I mean, we try to encourage people to read outside of their comfort zone because, because we like people to push themselves. And it's great that you know what you like, but what if there's something else you like that you just haven't tried yet? 
Tiffany, what seems to work for you with programming for teens and tweens? Well, this year is going to be a little bit different because as kind of a way to address a service gap, I am actually programming for third grade through about seventh or eighth grade, which is really, I mean, seventh and eighth, that was really the cap of attendance beforehand. So when I was programming for teens, so high schoolers, seventh and eighth was really the oldest that would would come to programs. Just for the simple fact that, you know, like the adults that they are becoming, high schoolers are just increasingly busy. They're in school all day, and then they go home. You know, they might have sports after school. They may work a part-time job. They may have younger siblings that they have to watch in the evening. So their time is really, it's just, they don't have much of it. Um, Or they maybe have, like, transportation problems. So programming for teens in our area, that was just... I think it was almost a non-starter. So we, I've started programming for third grade through seventh and eighth grade. So this will be my first summer of programming for that age group. And I, you know, honestly, I'm just approaching the entire summer like one big experiment. I think that's how I've started to look at programming in general. Because from one month to the next, I'm not going to know what the public, and I mean like at large, what third and seventh graders are into. It means staying on top of trends. Like slime. Slime is hugely popular right now. Um, which as a nineties kid, I am I am present for that. I'm glad. <laughs> we are here and we are ready to make slime. Yes. Uh, so part of it is kind of like you said, knowing your audience, knowing your community. So I'm gonna be running two slime events over the summer and it's going to be more um, scientific. How does slime how do we make it How is it, you know, like, what are the chemical properties? How is it that we're making this? We're going to make magnetic slime. So it's more about, like, capitalizing on that curiosity that young kids still have. But I'm also using it as, like, a teaching moment. So we're experimenting. The kids are going to lead most of it. So it'll be, this is the activity, but how do you guys want to do this? How do you want to approach it? How do you think we should approach it? So in that respect, it's actually been a little bit more free-flowing. Flexible? Lay back? Yes. Flexible, I think, is a good adjective. I don't feel like the programming is as rigid. But I felt like, I don't know, with teens, it almost has to be because otherwise it's just going to take off in a direction that you don't want it to go. So I guess it's also just programming. It's all about finding the balance between what you want to have structured and what you want to have led by the participants. So, Tiffany, what are some of the things that are coming up for our library over the summer that you're excited for? We are doing some showings at a local planetarium. We are lucky enough to have a local planetarium. we are. It's connected to Emporia State University. I'm excited about that because I don't think a lot of people know that they do showings, that they do movie showings. And for the public, not just Um, students. Yeah. And I just don't think a lot of people know that it's there, that they can use it, that it's a resource that they can go and use. I'm also excited for this line, largely because it's a really easy program to put together. Um, It's also really cheap to put together. Well, and you did it in the spring, and you had an amazing turnout for that. That was kind of a test run to see if I thought it would be a doable thing. That is something that I've never done before, but I think I will try to do that again next year before summer. 
I've been using like outreach opportunities and things to test ideas out so I can see, okay, that was a good idea, but I don't think it'll work for larger groups. So that's something I've never done before is use those earlier months to kind of test programs. Go for a test drive. Yeah. Test drive that spaceship. (laughs) Let's see. What else am I excited about? Mad Science Hour is a monthly STEM program that I run Um, and it just encourages kids whatever you're curious about to show up and we learn about things that different patrons are curious about so for instance I had a mom who had left a Facebook message on our Facebook and she had said hey my kid loves bugs any kind of bug I mean if he sees a spider in our house he will pick it up and carry it outside before I can smash it he loves bugs. And I was like, okay, I don't, <laughs> but Second I'm it. pretty sure I can find a resource in the community so we can learn about bugs as a group. Sure enough, our local zoo has Madagascar hissing cockroaches Oof. and a female tarantula, and they brought them in last night, actually. I am so glad um, that I did not see them. I'm sure they were great. <laughs> The kids have a lot of fun, but so Mad Science Hour, over the summer, I wanted it to be, you know, in line with the theme. Um, So in June, we're going to be investigating craters, how craters form, Um, and we're going to be looking at different planetary bodies, both planets and moons, and we're going to see what we can figure out about the way those planets look, if they've been struck a lot by craters um, if they're smooth what does that mean we're gonna do a program about rockets kids can make all different kinds of rockets including stomp rockets i'm sorry what is a stomp rocket so a stomp rocket usually it uses like a two liter bottle Mm -hmm. and a series of pvc pipe fittings Mm -hmm. um and you make a rocket usually out of like a tube of construction paper and you fit it over the end of your PVC pipe, and you give the two-liter a good stomp, and the air that is pushed out from the two-liter goes into the paper rocket and sends it flying. Sorry, Tiffany. I think we're going to have to test that one out extensively in our cubicle (laughs) before the program date. I think we need to experiment with that one a little bit just, you know, to make sure it works. It works. We'll probably have to because I'm trying to figure out a way to use this setup without two liters, because I'll need a lot of them. Because if you've ever met, you know, really any child, any any a average, <laughs> any average kid, they are going to stomp that two liter. They're very good at into stomping. dust. They will jump on it. One two liter will not survive all of those kids. No. So I'm trying to find a way in which I don't have to use, you know, twenty two liters. But yeah, everything I'm doing over the summer. This summer, I feel like, finally, I've got a theme that I can run with. I can really just... Fly with? Yes. <laughs> I can really take off with. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that one? Oh, that's good. Something that I'm excited about this year is we're doing our bingo cards for the adults. Um, and we're also doing a community-wide read. Our very first community-wide read, we are calling it One Book, One Emporia. And I did kind of try to make it go along with the summer reading theme of A Universe of Stories. So we are reading Rocket Boys slash October Sky because it was 
republished uh, with the title October Sky after the movie came out. Um, October Sky is an anagram of Rocket Boys by Homer Hickam, which is about a group of young boys in a coal mining town in West Virginia who get interested in rocketry. All that being said, there are some pros to the summer theme. The first pro that I can think of is that it provides like a break for my regular programming. Right. Um, So like I do run other monthly programs and those programs take a break while we're doing our summer stuff. Which is kind of nice because otherwise program, you know, programming is just like anything else. I think it has a natural life cycle. If you're a librarian and you've been running a program for like 10 years and it's not story time, please tell me what is your secret formula. And people keep showing up to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people keep, you still have an audience. It's just like, it's just like video games for kids. I mean, they just have a natural, it is good, it's popular, and then it's not. And people stop showing up. Last summer, all I heard about was Roblox. That's the only thing I heard about from any person under the age of, like, 17. And now it's all... And now it's Fortnite. All Fortnite, all the time. But I think Fortnite is probably nearing the end of its cycle. Never. It's going to be around past the apocalypse. (laughs) I don't know. I haven't heard as much about it lately. I haven't heard about the loot llama. But I don't know what's going to be next. So it... So the theme, it does provide, like a, a like I said. A commercial to your regularly yes. scheduled programming. Yeah. We are very excited for our upcoming summer reading program. We're very excited to have lots of interesting and educational things for kids, teens, and adults to do this summer. We would encourage you to come out or check our website and see what's going on. Thanks for tuning in today and listening to another episode of Express Your Shelf, a library podcast. If you have questions or comments, please email us at reference at emporialibrary.org. That's reference at E-M-P-O-R-I-A dot org. I saw the splendor of the moonlight upon the blue, blue 